All right, welcome to Summer at Second. Our theme is Life Changing Encounters. And it's our prayer that you would have life changing encounter this summer season. Well, I had a minor life changing encounter years ago when I was a sophomore in high school. I went floating down the Guadalupe River for the first time in my life. How many of you have ever floated down the Guadalupe? Yes, look at us. Yes, we're from Texas. So I just arrived on the scene. I, I didn't know a river from anything else. I've never been in a canoe in my life. So uh, a friend of mine from Louisiana was in town. His name was Jay. And so we jumped into this canoe, not knowing anything, and headed downstream. Because one thing you know, whenever you jump into a river, I don't care if it's a small river or a big river, a river has a current, right? And whether you're on an inner tube, or you're trying to swim, or you're in a canoe like we were, that current is going to take you downstream. That's just how it is. Now I'll tell you what happened to Jay and I in a, in a few minutes. But you know, the current that you have in a river is also similar to a current in our culture. Every culture, uh, every, every place has, a, has a, a, a current. They have certain norms and values and, if you would, temptations that pull at us. And many times they pull and they want to take us downstream. Now, there are three, I think, main pulls that we all experience in the culture in which we live in. I call them the three eyes. These three eyes are, they're, they're everywhere you go, they're ubiquitous, and, and there's this incessant pull of the three eyes that all of us feel in our life. Just, you know, walk outside of church, just, you know, look at your phone, look at the computer, engage in culture, and the three eyes. Though we can't see them, just like you can't see a current in the river, the three eyes are there. And if we're not intentional about dealing with these three eyes, they will pull us downstream. The first eye that we're all tempted with, we all have to deal with, is the eye I call impress. Impress. We live at a time where we're always called to impress other people. And if you can't impress people, then you fake it until you make it. That, that's just how it is, isn't it? It's, it we, we have to impress people. Are you ever around some folks? I know you've never done this, but maybe you're at a party or some people, some friends, and they just can't help but talk about themselves the entire time. They just want to impress you and regale you about who they are, about what they have, about what they've done, where they're going. They just want to be impressive. It's like what comedian, you know, Brian Regan calls the me monster. It's all about me, 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 I, me, me, me. And you just, you just can't get, get a word in, right? It's, it's, it's all about me. It's all about my, it's all about, you know, what I have, who, you know. And, you know, we do this in, in subtle ways. We're not all narcissists here, but we kind of do this in subtle ways, you know, like, like with the Christmas card. You know, the Christmas card, you're opening up cards, see photos of people and this and that. And, you know, you open up one that has the, the letter in it. 
My son, Johnny, just got into Yale Law School. Susie is going to be an engineer. She's getting her master's at MIT. We just got back from Europe. Oh, it's getting quiet in here, but you know. And you read these newsletters and you look at your life and your family and you go, I feel like a loser, right? The brag letter. And then, you know, you're with someone. And they're talking and you act like you're listening, but you're not really listening. You're just watching their, their mouth and, and their lips and you're, you're waiting for their mouth and their lips to stop. That's your chance to tell them how great you are and what you've done and what you know, and, right? We, we want to impress people. It's a temptation. It's a part of our culture. It's the first I, impress. The second I is to indulge. Indulge. Indulge your flesh. Whatever makes you feel good, whatever makes you feel happy, you're just gonna jump on board, woo-hoo, the pleasure train, right? The pleasure train, whatever that is for you. Maybe that's eating, maybe that's shopping, maybe that's drugs, maybe that's alcohol, maybe it's porn, I don't know what it is, maybe it's gambling. But you think, you know what, I'm gonna indulge in this because I can, life's dealt me a bad hand, Therefore, I'm gonna do whatever I wanna do, whenever I wanna do it, and you just get on board of the party train and you say, hey, I'm gonna indulge myself, and you say, there will not be any consequences. So we're tempted, like never before, because of these wonderful gadgets we call cell phones, which is such a misnomer. We can get anything we want, wherever we are, when we want it, how we want it. So we've always had the temptation to indulge. It's just part of our humanity, part of our fallenness. But now, because of technology, we can access so much more all the time. And so many of us, though we're out of high school and college, jump from one pleasure fix to the next, indulge, impress, indulge. And the third eye is to increase, increase all of that. Increase what I have, increase where I can go, increase what I can do. So we want more and more and more and more. And of course we want it faster, faster, faster. We want more, 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 and we want it faster, faster, faster. And we don't get more, and we don't get it faster, then we get gravely disappointed. What's wrong with me? How come life is not going my way? I want more, I want bigger, I want better. Plato said many years ago, the excessive increase of anything causes a reaction in the opposite direction. In other words, the law of diminishing returns. One of the original billionaires, Nelson Rockefeller, was once asked, how much money does it take to satisfy a person? And here's what he said. Many of you know this quote. He said this, just a little bit more. 
just a little bit more. Impress, indulge, increase. Impress, indulge, increase, rinse, repeat. <laughs> that's, that's the current culture, isn't it? It's all around us. We have to deal with this on a daily basis. But where is it going to take us? Where is it going to take us? Well, going back to my trip down the Guadalupe, I'm in the front of the canoe. My friend Jay is in the back of the canoe wearing his very favorite Harvey Wallbanger T-shirt. So we're starting to go downstream, and I start hearing this noise. It's louder and louder. And then we turn around the bend. It's rapids, right? There's some rapids, you know, not big rapids, but for me at the time, big rapids. So what are we going to do? Jay goes, woohoo! He's from Louisiana, you know. We have some L.A. people here. He stands up. Stands up in the back of the canoe. It starts rocking a little bit. We go try to go through one rock, one way, boom. We hit a rock, bam. <laughs> Our canoe turns upside down. I fall out. I smash my knee. I still have a scar there to prove it. And we're just wandering all around. We're trying to fight, get back. We're trying to fight this current. We're going downstream. We have to get our back on our canoe, hang on to it, somehow get out turn it over, and jump back in the canoe. And Jay lost his Harvey Wallbanger's shirt. He's still bitter about that today. Understandably so. What happened? The current, like all currents in any river, pulls you downstream. And it can pull you over the rocks. And it can pull you over the falls. And it can take you to a place where you're capsized and you're spinning. So these three eyes that promise us so much to impress, to indulge and increase, oh, you can go there, right? Nothing's going to happen. Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream until you hit the rapids and you hit bottom. And all it does is get water in your boat all it does is pour more anxiety and more fear into your life when you pursue and you cave into these three eyes. So the battle is to go upstream. The battle is to fight against the currents. How do we do that? How do we do that? What does that look like? Well, you know, Jesus told a lot of parables, a lot of stories. And one of the stories he told, it's only in one verse, is found in Matthew verse 13. So if you have a Bible, look at Matthew. It's the very first book of the New Testament. Matthew 13, 44. Listen to this. He said, the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, is like a treasure hidden in the field. When a man found it, he hid it. Then in his joy, he went out and sold all he had and bought the field. Look at Matthew 5. Flip back a couple of pages. Verse 33. Many have heard this passage before. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry. Do not worry. 
Do not worry. Do not live in fear. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Ain't that the truth? What is he saying here? What's Christ saying about swimming upstream? He's saying we have got to find a greater passion. We've got to find a source, if you would, of a greater pleasure. What did the guy do? Well, he's in a field, he's stumbling around, he finds a treasure, doesn't tell anyone, buries it, goes back and says, I'm going to sell everything I have with great joy to get this treasure right here that's in this field. That's what it means when we actually realize and enter into a relationship with God in Christ. We realize that there's an emptiness, there's a a sense of uh, vapidity to pursuing these three eyes. And we realize, wow, I need to be forgiven. I need to enter into a relationship with God in Christ. I need a life-changing encounter. He comes into our life, and then he puts us on a new path. Or can I say, he puts us in a different boat, not a canoe, but a power boat that allows us to go back upstream. There was a, an intellectual and scientist and a theologian by the name of Thomas Chalmers who lived many years ago in England. And he wrote a treatise entitled this, The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. I like that. The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. In other words, if we're going to go upstream in this power boat with the power and grace of God in our life, that we've got to see that pursuing God, pursuing his kingdom, pursuing his kingdom first will drive out these temptations and these negative desires that the three eyes have sway in our life. So instead of going, no, I'm not going to do it. No, I'm not going to cave into impressing and indulging and increasing. No, 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 no. He's saying, find a greater yes. Find a greater yes. Chalmers, and I think Christ is saying this too, as Chalmers is echoing the words of Christ here. He's saying, listen, you've got to pursue positive living, positive kingdom values, then that will drive out the negative. It's like, to use a crude example, to say you want to lose some weight. If you want to lose weight, you got to change what you eat and change what you do. But if you're changing what you eat and you focus on, I can't have carbs. I can't have bluebell. I can't have whatever it is you like. You, if you focus on that, you're not going to win the battle instead of focusing on what you can eat and what's good for you. So it's the same thing in pushing back and going upstream, upstream against the three eyes. Instead of saying, no, 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 no. What's a greater yes? What's, what's a greater yes here? So you're basically, and what we're trying to do here is to exchange an old affection for a new affection, for a greater joy. Does that make sense? John Piper calls it Christian hedonism. 
you know, we don't sin out of duty, you know, out of, you know, well, I've got to go sin today. I've got to go indulge and increase and impress. And I have to go do that. No, we do that because there's some payoff there. Sin is fun. I used to grow up in the church and people talk how bad sin was and sin this and sin this and sin's going to get you judgment and you can go to hell. Like, wow, this person ever really sinned yet? Because I'm having fun with sin right now. But here's the problem with sin. If you live long enough, you'll discover this. I have. We all have. Sin is like, it's like diet cola. It's like diet Coke. Oh, diet Coke. You know, it, it's the real thing and you drink it and drink it. It looks like it's same color, same taste initially. But then what happens with all diet drinks and diet Coke? There's the aftertaste. Sin has an aftertaste. It has an emptiness. It simply doesn't work out. So let's go back to the three eyes. Okay, the three eyes. So if, if we are, you know, being tempted to impress, what do we do? Instead of impress, work with me, we bless. We bless. So instead of me saying, well, how can I, you know, really impress this person or angle this conversation in a way that makes me look good? or other, How can I make them look good? How can I encourage them? How can I be a blessing to them? How can, how can I do that? So instead of saying, I'm not going to impress, I'm not going to do this, I'm just going to go around saying, how can I bless people today? Can I give them a word of encouragement? Can, can I you know, speak a word to them? Can I tell them about the love of God, the, his, his grace, His power in their life? Can I do something for them? Can I write them a note? Can I you know, send them a text? I'm not going to seek to impress. It comes naturally to us. I'm going to bless. I'm going to bless. Indulge. I'm going to divulge. I'm going to divulge. If you're indulging and you find yourself caught in the web of addiction, in the undercurrent, if you would, of an addiction, the only way you can get out of that is to divulge to someone you trust and to God himself the nature of your desires and what's going on. You can't hold it in. You can't say, I'm going to beat this with my willpower. It will not work. You have to divulge. You have to tell someone what's going on. You know, if we had time, we could bring people up here and say, man, I got set free from you name it, whatever it is. Whatever substance, whatever activity, whatever it was, they would say, I got free because I divulged, I confessed to another person and to God exactly what I was going through and exactly where I was in this process. And through that, God was able to enter into their life and set them free. So instead of indulging, I'm going to divulge and really get real with someone and with God about what's going on in these temptations. How about increase? Increase. Instead of increase, I'm going to release. I'm going to release. I'm going to start understanding that God has given me my stuff, my things to be a blessing to others. I'm gonna learn how to give from based upon what God has given me. By the way, not just our money, but our time, our talents, the totality of my life. We're all, in one sense, talent on loan from God. I think about a guy in our church family many years ago. It's got 
just crushed it financially. He made millions and millions of dollars in his career. He was about midlife, mid-game. He was on a hunting trip with some folks, and someone challenged him to really, you know, seek God and say, well, man, what does God want you to do with the rest of your life? What does God want you to do with what he's blessed you with? And this guy was convicted. And he, he had a vision, this businessman, of helping to start churches all throughout the country of Mexico. So he gave a substantial amount of money to kickstart, to jumpstart this ministry that would in turn try to start thousands of churches throughout the country of Mexico. So he took what God had given him. Instead of increasing, it was like, hey, I've made enough. I'm going to come and share and release these funds so I can see people have their lives changed like Christ has changed my life. And our church family was a part of that. We were part of that ministry for many, many years. And many of us went to these churches in Mexico and worked with our brothers and sisters there and saw God work in an amazing way. Because one guy, one guy heard from God and was willing to say, hey, boom, I'm gonna release these funds. I'm gonna do this and make an impact. Yeah, you can clap for that. So it's amazing. It's amazing what God does in our life and the life of others when we begin to say, Lord, through your power and your strength, I am going to swim upstream. It's not like we're going to dial it in and have it all figured out and always, you know, we're just batting a thousand percent. No, that's not going to happen. But by your grace and your strength, I'm going to pursue positive kingdom living. I'm going to seek your kingdom first. God, I'm going to seek you first. I'm not going to focus on the negative and the willpower. I'm going to focus on what you are calling me to do and to pursue your will, your way in my life today. And we're going to do that together as we leave this place, as we go out into the city and take on whatever life brings our way.